You got billions of people that are separated from their creator, going to spend eternity in a Christless hell. But you care about them and you want to redeem them back to their creator. I ask you a question. Would you have done it this way? You'd have never even thought of this. It's a strange way to save the world. Here's what we want to talk about this morning. We serve a God who has strange ways. And if you can learn to cooperate with his strange ways, he will be good to you. But you've got to learn to cooperate with his strange ways so he can be good to you. We read the story this morning of the young girl. Um, scholars, historians, because of that culture, put her age 15 to 16 years old. You know, in the little video we saw, that lady was too old to have been the true Mary. The true Mary was 15, 16 years old. In that culture, there were no careers for girls at all. No, no careers for men. Every girl had one dream in her life. She was going to do one thing with her life in that culture. You were going to get married and you hoped to have children and family was all you lived. That's what you lived for. That was your dream. And young girls back then married at about 15, 16. They married older men that were in their 20s because you had to have your career, uh, not career, you had to have your, uh, your job established. You had to be able to support her. Of course, it was an arranged marriage, but it's different from certain countries. It was arranged with permission. They all grew up in a little village called Bethlehem, tiny little, I'm excuse me, Nazareth, little tiny village. Everybody knew everybody. They went to the same church. It was called a synagogue then. Joseph was a wonderful man, wonderful man. My, just one of the greatest men in world history. She met him, fell in love with him. The families agreed they were going to be married. They were engaged. And uh, everything is going great. And do you remember, Mary's a little 16-year-old girl, no education, lives with her family. Everybody worked back then. You had to work hard just to live back then. You either farmed, fished, or a few tradespeople. And that was what Joseph was. He uh, built uh, primitive furniture. So she's living her little life got her little friends down at the church. She's got her family, lives in her little community. It's a wonderful place to live. And uh, who knows what she was doing. She might've been doing the family laundry that day. And all of a sudden in front of her stands, not just an angel, but Gabriel. There are millions of angels, the Bible tells us, but over those angels are three chief angels. Gabriel's one of them. And all of a sudden he's standing in front of her. She's never experienced anything like this in her life. It just She's just living her life, maybe doing the laundry or preparing food for tonight. And all of a sudden there he is. And she's scared to death. And he tells her, you don't need to be afraid. And he tells her, you found favor with God. I mean, she's believed in God. She grew up in the church, the synagogue. They know Jehovah. You found favor with God. And then he says to her, he says to her, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a child. And then he went on to say something else, but she never heard another word he said. And, and she, he's going on about some kingdom that'll last forever. And she stops him and she says, no man's ever touched me. No man's ever done that to me. He says, no, he said, the Holy Spirit of God's going to come on you. And the Holy Spirit of God's going to impregnate you. And the baby in you is going to be the son of God. <laughs> I mean, she's just living her little life. She's engaged, thinking about getting married. And all of a sudden, history crashes right into her world. In a moment, just... I tried to put myself in her place. Number one, I'm a man. I'm an old man. 
she's 16 years old. Nobody's ever heard of anything. You and I have the perspective of history looking back. We've heard this all our lives. She's never heard. There he is. And I'm pregnant and God did it. Put this in me. And she's just overwhelmed. All right, here's what we're going to look at today. God's strange ways. And we're going to talk about how strange his ways are. And if you can learn to cooperate with his strange ways as she did, your life can be very wonderful. But if you fight his ways, if you fight his ways and demand your ways, your life's going to be rough. It's up to you. And uh, I'm of the opinion that she is the great saint of the ages. Now, I'm, I'm not like some of my Catholic friends. I don't worship Mary and I don't pray to her. The Bible didn't say do that. But I think she had more faith than anybody in the Bible. This was a great woman. And I've learned three things from her life that had helped, helped me immensely. Now listen, God Almighty gave you the Bible to make your life good. My son, attend unto my word that it might be well with you. And I can learn from the Bible two ways. I can learn from his precepts. When he tells me in that book, do not steal your neighbor's truck. I've learned if you want a good life, don't be stealing your neighbor's truck. That's not hard. But where else do we learn from the Bible? When he opens the lives of the people up in the Bible, and we see these lives of David the Great, Simon, Mary. Their life story is not in there to fill up space. Their life story in there is God speaking to you. Their life story is God teaching you something about life. And I've learned so much from David the Great, Simon, and I've learned so much from this lady. And I've learned three things that have blessed my life tremendously. And I want you to pick them up this morning. Number one, <clears throat> big number one, when things don't go the way you had planned, what you going to do? How many of you in here can honestly raise your hand and say, everything in my life is going just like I planned it? Anybody? How many of you can say everything is going just like I wanted it to? How many of you women can say, my husband has done just like I wanted him to. One hand in the back. And I married them yesterday evening. How many of you can say, my kids have done just like I expected them to? Please, somebody. How many of you can say, I have done just like I expected to? Dear ones... Do we not all have this thing? Do we, even if we don't quantify it, do we not all have this thing that this is how I expect my life to be? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my education. I'm going to marry the person of my dreams. We're going to have our 2.4 children. We're going to do all that. Everything's going to go, and then I'm going to croak one day and go to glory. It's just one problem on the road to glory. It don't work like that. If life is anything at all, life is a series of bends in the road that you didn't plan on. What are you going to do when that happens? What are you going to do when it does not work out like you hoped it would? All right, don't you, you don't think she had plans? You don't think this little girl had dreams? 16 years old, she's met the most wonderful man and he may have been the, most great, the greatest guy in that community. And what are little young, young ladies, what are they doing right before they get married? They're planning they're dreaming. They're excited. They're looking forward. I, I came into other service this morning and sat down over here, a little family I know. And I said, how y'all doing? And the little girl, she went like this to me. 
I said, where'd you get that from? She said, <laughs> and she'd got her little ring last night and she was so excited. I started to say, what are you excited about? <laughs> she, you know what she's she got her little dreams and little plans and everything's going to be, and she's, she's just, she's doing the laundry thinking about that day. Listen, we do a big deal for weddings, not, court, not, not like Jewish weddings. Our weddings last for a few hours. Their weddings last for a few days. A Jewish wedding was the biggest deal in the planet at the time. And she's getting her little wedding plans ready. Everything's going great. She comes from a great family. She's a fine young lady. And all of a sudden, this angel walks in and announces, you are pregnant. And God's behind it. And every plan and dream she had gets dumped upside down. Everything is straight out the door for her now. She's terrified. You don't understand this culture. In our culture, it's not that big a deal. In that culture, what's the penalty for a girl being pregnant before she's married? You might know. Death. He, her husband-to-be could have taken her to the city gate and the elders would have put her to death. You just, we can't imagine. Listen to me. She's not a theologian. She has never held a Bible in her hand in her life. She's just a young teenage girl. And history breaks in on her life. What's going on in her mind? 16, pregnant. Do you, do you think she's thinking, everybody will believe this? <laughs> I think the saddest part in there, it says, and the angel left her. I'd say, oh, no, you don't. You're coming with me to talk to my daddy. Don't you leave me now. You're going to talk to Joseph. Don't you split on me now. The angel left her. And her life is dumped completely, just completely upside down. I tried to put myself in her place there that day. What, what would I have said when the angel, I mean, the angel just shows up and says, Bam. what would I, how would I have responded? You gotta be kidding me. Is there not a plan B? Um, I don't know what I'd have done because I can't fathom that. But I want you to look at her response. I got, got just, this thing just came on her out of the blue. And she's now pregnant. And her plans are upside down. I want you to look at her response to what the angel said. It's in verse 38, Luke chapter 1. Verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The angel got done. She just looked at him and she said, if that's what God wants to do, that's what I want done. I'm his servant. She didn't ask any questions. She didn't. Who do you know in the Bible that had that kind of faith? I think that verse is the greatest example of blind faith in God in the whole Bible. Who do you know that had this kind of faith? Moses. Moses considered by most historians the greatest human leader that ever lived. Do you remember Moses has got his little life? He's a herder, works for his father-in-law, got his sweetheart, got his little boys, got young boys at 80. Sort of reminds you of Junior Johnson. He's just living his little life, got it all planned out. The Bible said he was content, content, just enjoyed his life. And God breaks in on him at a bush and he says, I've heard the cries of my people. I'm going to rescue them and I'm sending you. Did Moses say, whatever God wants? Oh no. He goes in this long rigmarole about Suppose they don't believe me. Suppose they say you didn't send me. Please send by somebody else. 
I can't find any of the great leaders of the faith that bent to the will of God like this girl did. She just stood before God and said, if that's what he wants, change my life, dump it upside down, take all my plans and throw them out the door. If that's what you want, I'm your servant. I think it's the greatest act of faith in the Bible. Here's uh, <clears throat> her response is, is just, stun- I just, I'm shocked by it. All right, we've all got our ways. You don't have to amen me. I know we've all got our ways. I've been doing this 40 years. And we all expect things to be a certain way. And we want things a certain way. We want people to drive like they got some sense. We want our man in the White House. We want our mates to do like we want them to do. We want the Gators to win. We want to eat Mexican food and not bother our stomach. We got this thing about... We just, everybody's got this thing. This is the way I want it to be. All right. What are you going to do when it gets dumped upside down? You can do one of two things. You can kick against the pricks. You can scream. You can grow bitter. You can complain. Or you can just bow your heart before the king and say, not my will, but thine be done. And humble your heart. It's okay to say, I don't like it. It's not okay to say, I don't take it. It's okay to say, this is not what I wanted, but... You are God. You do what you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Number two, you ever been when you didn't understand what was going on? Like America. Like being alive on the planet today. I want you to notice something about this young girl. This angel came to her. And let's learn this about our father. This angel came to her and he said, you are favored before God. You're going to have a child. God's going to impregnate you and you're going to have a child. His name will be Jesus. And then the angel didn't say anything else. That's it. No details. No, here's what people will say. No, here's what you need. He didn't give her any details at all. He just, there it is. Let me make an announcement. Our heavenly father's not real big on details. I mean, I mean, telling them to us. You ever notice how he doesn't do question and answer with people after he gives an assignment? For instance, one day Simon's fishing. Simon's got a fishing business. He's got a wife, got a family to take care of. He owns boats. He's got commitments. Jesus walks up to him on the, on the shore. Jesus walks up to him and he said, follow me. What do I do with my boats? Should I tell my wife I'll be back for dinner? I, how do I, are you going to pay my bills? Jesus just turned around and started walking. He gave him just enough info to do what you need to do right now. And Simon had to make a decision. A few days later, there's a guy running the tax office. His name's Matthew. Jesus walks by and stops, sticks his head in the door and says, follow me. Do I put this building up for rent? Where are we going? you ever notice through scripture, he doesn't give you much detail. We're going to have to learn this one way or the other. He is a faith God who wants people to walk by faith. And how many, how many of you are like me? You've got a thousand questions. I, I have an analytical mind. I've got a thousand questions and then I've got a thousand sub questions beyond that. And you explain everything to me and we're gone. The problem is he says, follow me and he's gone. And he didn't explain anything to this young girl. She, 
Um, I mean, the deal is what, what do I do? But you're going to do one of two things. When, when everything is upside down in your life, it's not working out. The money's not right. The people aren't doing right. You're not right on the inside. You don't even know what's wrong with you half the time. And you've got a thousand questions. You're going to do one of two things. Either going to get angry. You're going to get critical. You're going to start complaining. You're going to lash out at God. You're going to blame it on other people. You're going to erupt. Are you going to do what this girl did? You're going to lift your hands and worship God and say, you don't have to explain it. I'm going to worship you. How did she respond to this? Just this simple, you're going to be pregnant. God did it. How did she respond to it? Look at me in verse, uh, verse 46. Here's her response when she heard. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You, what's in her head? I could get killed for this. My marriage is ruined. You don't think she had a heart? You don't think she knew her marriage was over? You don't think she knew her father would be brokenhearted at this? You don't think the girls at the church would never speak to her again? She's got a thousand questions. What does she do? My soul declares the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit exalts in God, my Savior. In the dark, she worshiped. What do you do when you're in the dark? Scream because it's dark? <laughs> then was, let's learn. Let's le I've learned this from her. I have learned this. I live my life in the dark. I can't explain nothing anymore. When I was young, right out of school, I could explain everything. I'm old now. I can't explain nothing. And if you won't tell him, please don't tell him about what I'm fixing to say. Can't nobody else explain nothing either. I know they try. Do you know what I've learned in my darkness? You are God and I am not and you are wonderful and I don't care. Praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. Guess what all times means? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul magnifies the Lord. And when you're in the dark, just rear back and worship because you're not getting any answers. Just rear back and worship God. That's what she, this is one of the greatest acts of faith in world history. Get up every day, quit trying to figure it out, worship God, do the next thing he's told you to do and trust him with the results. Let him drive. If, if he's your co-pilot, we're all in trouble. Pull over. Hand him the keys. You get in the trunk and lock it. And remember this, it is dark in the trunk. But he'll get you there. I'm telling you, the man will do what he said he would do. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to perform it till the day of Christ Jesus. And he don't explain along the way much but he'll get you there. Number three, I've learned from, learned from her. When you don't understand, just worship God. Number three, what do you do when life is not fair? Well, our nation has become a schism of it is not fair. That's all we hear today. It is not fair. I was a young man and a man told me, this old man told me something when I was a young man. I've never forgotten it. And he helped me a lot. He said this, he said, son, life is not fair. And the quicker you get over it, the quicker you can enjoy your life. 
And for some reason, I just heard what he said. I heard it with my heart and I believed it. And he said, now you can fuss or you can live. Which one do you want to do? He said, life's not fair. And the quicker you get over it, you can go on and live your life. Let me make an announcement. Life's not fair. Now I know what somebody just said. Well, it's less fair for me than it is for them. You're the one I want to help this morning. You think your life's not fair? What about this young girl? What about this young girl? What has she done wrong? Nothing. She's exemplary. She's a wonderful young lady. She's been raised by a great family. And all of a sudden, God crashes in on her world and jerks her. Teenage girl jerks her onto the stage of world history and puts her right in the middle of it and ruins her marriage and ruins her life. I listen to this. Only three people believed her. You know, the big deal is, are you going to believe me or not? What's, what's, that's the big deal. You going to believe, are they going to believe this? Are you going with me? If you'll go with me, daddy won't be mad. She's got to go tell everybody by herself. That angel's gone. If you notice when, when he got done, he left her. Only three people believed her. One was Joseph and he didn't believe her to start with, did he? The Bible said, all right, let me give you the timeline here. This angel appears to her. He tells her this. He knocks her world upside down. And he also, the angel also told her, your relative Elizabeth, who is barren, is also pregnant. And she's going to have a baby in her old age. And she was an old woman. And she's going to have a baby. And he will be the forerunner of the Son of God, John. And he told her that. So the Bible said, as soon as the angel disappeared, listen to this. With haste, immediately, she left and went to Elizabeth's house. Now, you got to understand, there were no phones back then. There was no texting, no communication. Well, see, Mary lived in uh, Nazareth, which is up in a region called Galilee. Elizabeth lived in Judea. That's a 40, 50-mile journey. She just went and told her family, said, I'm, I'm going to see Elizabeth. Well, that was done back then. I'm going to see Elizabeth. And she said, tell Joseph. She couldn't call him tell Joseph. So she leaves and she goes to see Elizabeth. You remember this in scripture. How long did she stay? Does anybody know? Three months. She stayed and visited with Elizabeth for three, three months. She's gone from her home. Three months she's gone from her fiance. She comes back after three months. She's showing. She's starting to show. She goes to see Joseph. She says, I got to tell you something. He said, what is it? She said, I'm pregnant. What would that do to you if you were a you, you got to understand this culture. That did not happen. He didn't believe her. And the Bible said while he thought on these things, rather than make her a public example, he was minded to send her away privately. So, you know, we didn't believe her. You know, you could either humiliate her publicly and have her stoned, have her killed. But in that culture, if something like this did happen, you could slip them out of town and send them away. They could just go 40 miles away. No IDs, no internet search. They could just go move somewhere else, maybe with a relative and say, well, my husband was killed in an accident. Nobody would know the difference and you could start your life over. He didn't believe her. But the Bible said while he thought on these things, an angel came to him and said, that which is conceived in her is of the Spirit of God. Take her to your wife. Take her like she is. So he believed her then. Who's the other person that believed her? Elizabeth believed her. Because she went to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth said, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come see me? So Elizabeth believed her. Who's the only other person on the planet that believed her? Jesus. He believed her. That's it. 
For the next 30 some years of her life, nobody believed it. Her family didn't believe it. She was ostracized from her community. She was kicked out of the church. The preachers scorned her. They talked so ugly about her. She's done nothing wrong. And she's been stripped of everything that was her life. You know, think about this. I love my teenagers here. This hateful 19 thing, I don't get to see them as much. I love to visit with my teenagers here. Say one of my little 16, 17 year old girls comes to me and says, preacher, I need to talk to you. I said, what is it, sweetheart? She said, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'd say, well, listen, we can work through this. I'll help you. And I've done that no few times. And they say, oh, you don't understand, preacher. God did it. Do you think I'm so spiritual that I would say, oh, that's different. I'm not going to believe her. I'm going to say, look, sweetheart, I can help you, but you got to knock this off. And that's exactly the way she was treated for 30 some years. 31 years later, after this day, Jesus is in an argument with Pharisees, John chapter eight. And they said to Jesus in John chapter eight, verse 41, we are the people of God. We were not born of fornication. Still throwing it up in her face. And they went further than that and said, not only that, the minister said it wasn't Joseph either. You got knocked up by somebody on the wrong side of town. That's what all her life she dealt with that. The ladies in the community had nothing to do with her. I want to make an announcement. That was not fair. But the question is, when things are not fair, what are you going to do? Are you going to scream? Are you going to defend yourself? Are you going to get on the keyboard? Are you going to be Valley Boy 517 down in your mama's basement? <laughs> what are you going to do when things don't go right? Are you going to whine and defend yourself and tell anybody to listen what they did to you? Or will you do like her? You never hear her utter, utter one bitter word. She worships God through the whole thing, knowing this, knowing this. God knows my heart and I know him and I don't have to please but one person with my life and she knew that and she lived that all the days of her life and she humbled herself and trusted him and she just worshiped God and all right three things when my life doesn't go like I want it to when I don't have answers to the questions around me and when life is not fair what am I going to do she responded so good and so well. Listen to this. Blessed is he, I'm quoting from Matthew eleven six. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. I'll do, blessed means God does good things for you. Blessed is the person who won't kick against the way I'm working in their lives. Blessed is the person that when I do things that offend them, they can worship me instead of screaming. Guess who he told that to? Jesus told that to John the Baptist who declared that is the son of God. A year later, he said, are you the son of God? He was sent to tell people and now he's wondering if he's even God. You know what happened? Guess why John didn't, guess why John fell apart? Because let's say it, Jesus didn't act like John thought he would. John said, he's going to burn up the, he's going to burn up the threshing floor. And Jesus came hanging around with sinners and loving people. And God didn't act like, can I make an announcement? God is not going to act like you want him to. So what are you going to do? Are you going to worship and humble yourself and trust him? Or are you going to scream and kick in your everyday life, everything? 
but she just followed God. She just blessed him and loved him, kept her spirit right, kept her heart tender, wasn't offended. All right, what, what was the result of her responding correctly to the way God dealt in her life? Number one, God was very good to her. He did some things for her that nobody else could do. Matter of fact, I want you to read with me. Chapter Luke 1, 49, she said this. He who is mighty has done great things for me. If I were to rebuild my house again, I would carve that in the mantle over my fireplace. He who is mighty has done great things for me. You need to hold on to that verse. And God was very good to her. God was good to her on the inside. Did you notice that on the, the, the slander and the scandal around her, did you notice she was quiet on the inside? You never see her upset. You never see her defending herself. Because let me tell you something. There's three things you need to live. You need the peace of God in your heart. You need the love of God in your heart. And you need the joy of God in your heart. And if you've got them three things, I don't care what else you don't have. But if you don't have those three things, I don't care what you do have. And God put something inside of her that kept him close to her and kept her quiet. <clears throat> God was good around her. But let me ask you a question. Are we not talking about this humble country teenage girl 2,000 years later? What did she say? That, that thing that she spoke there is called the Magnificat. And in it, in verse 48, she said, forever generations will call me blessed. Are we not calling her blessed this morning? God has made her name immortal because she honored him. I'm telling you, when you just say, thy will be done, thy will be done, I trust you. He does great things for folks that will just trust him and not fall off. Number two, she was used by God greatly. How many of you think Mary was used by God? Really? I mean, she just brought salvation to the world. But let me throw one last thing in here. She got to know God well, like I don't know that anybody else ever did. I think she knew God like nobody ever did. Let me ask you something. Don't you know there were days, how would you like to be tasked with the assignment of raising God. Don't you know there were days in her life when she would walk by the door and he's sleeping and she would just stare at him? <laughs> I see the humor in this. Don't you, by the way, Jesus we know had four brothers. She had four more boys and she had girls. We don't know how many, it just said sisters. So we know she had at least six more children. So there were at least seven kids in that home. Don't you know there were days when like she was doing the laundry and she would hear, Jesus! <laughs> and she'd like a good mother go in the next room and say, what's going on in here? And one of the sisters would say, Jesus just grabbed my pigtail. <laughs> I bet you'd be sort of slow to spank God. I bet you'd sort of maybe pray about spanking God. <laughs> but she was with him all of his life. And when he began to minister, you always see her there. She was always in the crowds around him. Everywhere he went, she went. And this lady who suffered so much and was blessed so much, what do you think that? The Bible said that Mary pondered these things in her heart. She thought deeply about this. What do you think she thought when she watched him reach out that hand, put it on blind eyes and they could see, and she brought him into this earth? What do you think she thought when he reached out a hand and picked up a crippled man and he walked for the first time ever? 
I think her greatest day was in John 8 when she was there when he was teaching in the temple and she was sitting there. And the ministers interrupted the service and brought a woman caught in sexual sin and said, we need to kill her. And she watched Jesus defend that lady and tell those preachers, if you want to be concerned about sin, go somewhere and be concerned about your own sin. And I think she smiled on that day and realized that her Redeemer lives. Her heart was pierced as the prophecy said it would be when she watched her son hang on the cross, but how it rejoiced because she was in the room when he walked through the wall and said, I'm alive. And she lived her life under the, this may be the most tormented, blessed life in the Bible. She suffered the most, she was blessed the most. But I remind you, it's not about Mary. It's about God speaking to you. And he puts these lives in the Bible to speak to me and you. And uh, I want to say it again. I've learned so much from her. Here's what I've learned. And I, I think you should plan out your lives. I think you should. The Bible talks about having a plan, especially if you're young. Let me say this to you. Make your plans. Make your plans. Make them big. You know, I want you to dream. Make them big. But listen to me. Write them with a pencil. You know what that means? And don't use a bitter eraser. Write them with a pencil and then hand the pencil to the king and the eraser. Make your plans, but hold them loose and realize, be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. If you want to promote me and make me famous and make me rich and let me help thousands, I pray for the grace to be humble and give you the glory. If you want me to stay home where nobody knows me and raise a few children, give me the grace to glorify you. Be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. And when your plans don't go like you thought they would, you just bow your heart before him. Secondly, when your questions are not getting answered, rear back worship and forget you didn't mask them. Just praise God. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, fuss. No. Let me make an announcement. You don't need to know where you're going if he's driving. You don't even need to know what kind of fuel's in the plane. You don't need to know anything except his name is God with us. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. So quit trying to figure it out. And number three, the next time you run into something that is not fair, you just look up and say, you're the only one that matters. You know. You're the only one I care about that knows. I want to listen to what Jesus said one day. He said, Father, I praise you that nobody knows who the Son is except the Father. He lived his life for one person. Listen to me. Live your life for an audience of one and you'll have a great life. If everybody cheers for you today, don't get too excited. You'll be the one they'll be cussing tomorrow. Hey, but one thing's important. What does he say? Father, I want to praise you and thank you so much that you've written your word to teach us not just facts, but to teach us how to really live. Today, I praise you and thank you so much. We're living in one of those strange, dark days when nobody understands what's going on. We're screaming unfair. We don't know what the future holds. 
And on days like this, and in these times, I pray for every person in this room, that they'll simply do what, I'll just always be amazed that a 16-year-old teenage girl who never owned a Bible could handle so well what Bible scholars can't handle. And I praise you and thank you for this example that just turn it over, quit screaming, trust Him, get up. When the angel's gone, finish doing the laundry. Get dinner ready. Wake up and praise God. Do the next thing He tells you to do and honor Him. And I thank you and praise you that one of these days, I know your word, I know how you are. One of these days, we will get to the end of the road, as you said. And if we just humble ourselves, we will look back and say, there he was. Jesus led me all the way. And we'll worship you and praise you. And I want to lead us today. I lead all hearts in declaring, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit exalts in God my Savior. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And glorious is his name. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. Thank you for your kindness in our lives. We give you all the praise and glory because of your great grace. And in this wonderful season, I pray we never lose the wonder of God's strange way of stepping down to do for me what I could never do for myself. And for all of eternity, we're going to praise you because of the kindness of God. You did not have to come. You didn't have to do this for me. I thank you and praise you in that while we were yet sinners, Christ came for us. Let Jesus be glorified, not only in this season. I praise you and thank you that with us, because of you, it's Christmas all year long. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Now, Father, before we leave, that baby that was born in that manger that night is the Son of God who reigns for all of eternity. I want to pray for people in this room or watching by camera pray for them that they have never just bowed their knee to the Son of God. They might despise church. That's fine. I do too sometimes. They might not like what I got to say. That's fine. But they cannot deny that this is the love of God that Jesus would step down, be born in a barn, die on a cross to reunite me with my God. I pray on this day you draw people to your dear Son. Friend, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, Lord, master of your life. You never abandoned your life to God through his dear son. Right there where you're at, let's pray a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins to bring me to God. But I believe you rose from the grave and you're alive forevermore. Today, I trust you as my savior, my Lord, my love and life forevermore. I'll follow you. I'll walk with you. Teach me how to honor you. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.